Dungeons and Drimbus is rated R for rude language, rough violence, and raunchy humor. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I do declare, here's what happened previously on Dungeons and Dreamers. After bringing Jessica and Bob to LEP and conducting a long interrogation, the attorneys meet none other than Blue himself, the head of LEP. After conducting his own investigations, he comes to the conclusion that Jessica, Thomas, Bob, and Monique ought to be executed for the greater good of the realm. In a panic, they ask for a court case for the chance to plead for their lives, in which Big Blue will serve as judge, jury, and executioner. I do declare, Yorana is back in session. We open on all of you following Lucky into an elevator. The magic contraption begins to float upward and you peer out onto the sprawling moon base. Clean architecture and bright green, neatly trimmed lawns and outdoor areas stand in contrast to the dusty grayish white of the moon's surface. Beyond the dome, you see the vast expanse of space filled with twinkling stars and what appears to be another, perhaps real, moon further out in the cold emptiness, perfectly lined up with the faux moon you stand on now. The elevator enters a dark portion of the shaft as it continues its ascent, and after a few more moments, dings as it reaches the top floor. Ooh, the penthouse. Wow, so impressive. Lucky just kind of eyes you and goes, Right, good luck, friends. Is there anything I can do for you before we go in? Can I have one of your four-leaf clovers with that accent and your name being Lucky and all? I just thought you might have something for <laughs> bring me a little bit of something. He hands you a little laminated four-leaf clover. Oh, oh I appreciate that. And Jessica's going to take it and she's going to tuck it into her breasts. Okay. Ooh, breasts. I'm debating whether to give you this advantage now or not. <laughs> I think there should at least be like a plus D4 or something. Um, basically, this works as like a limited bardic inspiration. On one roll, you can expend this to get a D4 added to a roll. Nice. Okay. Good call. All right, then. 
I suppose we'll go in. And Lucky walks up to knock on the solid teak wood door before you. However, before he does, you see a blue orb inset in the wall light up and it seems to scan him. As his balled up fist makes initial contact with the door, it is already swinging open and you hear the hiss of hydraulic locks releasing. As the door swings open and you hear a come in. Blue greets you from behind a massive and immaculately organized desk. The room is expansive and everything seems to be placed with purpose. In the southern corners, there are sitting areas arranged for meetings. One is clearly a comfier one-on-one meeting space with leather seats. The other harbors a large wooden table that can comfortably seat six, along with a chalkboard and various storage units. The walls of the room are lined with tomes upon tomes upon tomes, and the floor is covered in an intricately patterned carpet. Everything is lit by a subtle glow creeping from the seams of various furniture pieces in an almost ethereal, imperceptible way. There are display cases throughout the room that house intricate metal robotic frames, mimicking various natural forms. Blue's orb gazes at you from their desk, and Lucky walks you up before them. You see the warforged guards, Jerry and Huel, standing to either side of Blue's desk, and there are benches set up before the desk, presumably set in place just for this occasion. Are you prepared? As prepared as one can be to defend one's existence in this uh, plane of reality, uh, Mr. Big Blue, sir. Of course we're prepared. We're professionals. What a ridiculous question. Jessica just kind of does like a quick side eye to Thomas and goes, would you please try not to be your charming self right now? That'll be very difficult to do, but we are prepared. (laughs) Richard pats you on the back, Thomas, and he says, You've got this, nephew. I know. Good luck. I love you. And he kind of gives you like a half hug, like a side hug. Oh, that's so precious. And then Blue goes, those of you not presently on trial, please take a seat. Lucky takes a seat, as does Kit. I'll stand awkwardly, like kind of where the seats are, not sure if I should sit or be involved. Agent Hale, please have a seat. Yes, Your Honor. I will sit. You sit. And then Blue looks at the four of you. Monique, Thomas, Jessica, Barb, and says, You understand that despite my certainty of the best course of action for the people of Old Mauritia, I'm granting you a trial in the interest of fairness and thoroughness, as well as out of respect for you as people. It is expected that you will comply with the outcome, good or bad, peacefully to avoid an indignant conclusion. That is perfectly fair and reasonable, Your Honor. Yes, that is understood. Very well. Tyronicus, you're kind of still standing there and Monique like squeezes your hand and she says, go ahead and sit down. Tyronicus like gulps and then he like takes a seat. I saw you two getting ready for date night the other day. Look at you two go. Ain't you just (laughs) so fun together? And then Blue says, then let the trial begin. It shall be conducted in your traditional three-stage process, consisting of an opening statement, cross-examination, and a closing statement. Today we are investigating whether the immediate terminations of Thomas Phelps, Jessica Felcher, Barbara, 
and Monique Valentine are warranted in order to preserve the best interests of the people of Ulmerissia. Would you like to be tried individually or as a unit? A moment to discuss, Your Honor. Granted. All right. Okay, <laughs> so I think individually may just be better in terms of odds. Right. In like a sense of if at least like a few of us make it, that's like good to like take down the whole bad system, you know? Yeah. Whereas like if we were tried as a group, like if the whole thing comes down, that's not gonna be great, you know? And like, if people were listening to us talk or something like that, like having several of us go out at once, that would seem like really upsetting for those people. Uh, uh, but like, you know, that's just me rambling at. No, no, I, I, I agree with Jess. I would like to do this individually. Well, I don't know. Monique, I don't know what you think, but I think we have a very decent shot at getting us all out of here. And as much as I hate to say it, I would much rather see all of us make it out than only a handful of us. Thomas. Not you, Jessica. Shut up. Oh, I'm definitely torn. Thinking as an attorney, and those of you on trial, you have your own bench in front of the bench where the others are sitting. So like Viper, Richard, Tyronicus, you can all hear this. And as they're turned away from the judge, like you might as well be part of the conversation. But Monique goes, all right. So thinking as a lawyer, right? I feel like getting all of us off as a unit is going to be a higher bar to clear, probably. However, we could collectively bargain, right? Saying that, let's say one of us is a really valuable asset, then perhaps using that leverage to get some of the more questionable folks off would be to our benefit. But there is the risk of losing all of us. If we go individually, then I think there's a chance some of us might be able to clear the bar easier, but the chances of all of us making it off seems a little slimmer. Right. But this is just conjecture. I I truly, I don't know this person. I don't know the way they think. If I may, since you are each individual people that have your own experiences, then it might be stronger and more compelling for individuality here. If I may. You may, Tyronicus. Very well, assistant. Speak up. And I just, like, glare at Richard. As much as I loathe to think about putting your fate in each other's hands individually, as someone who isn't fully a lawyer, but on his own cases, he, you know, performed exceedingly well. Um, Yeah, he did. (laughs) I do think that your chances together might be higher than individually just because... Of working with the LEP for so long, I do believe we have a little more insight with Big Blue. And I don't think Barbara and Jessica's chances are very high. And knowing Thomas, while his chances are a little bit better with Bahamut, his personality leaves much, <laughs> much to be desired. <laughs> oh, please. I'm the only one in the room that hasn't murdered anyone. Let's relax about the morality of me and my ethics. Oh, your ethics were in question. It was the personality that's in question, sweetheart. But don't you worry. I understand if you don't understand the difference. Well, I think his personality is very pleasant. Okay, we're moving far from the point. I do think if you guys, especially in court, if you can prove that you can work together and you can back each other up, I think your chances are might be a little bit better. Upon hearing that, I would like to amend my thoughts. I I do actually think that in proving you can work together, that may even prove your case for being necessary to continue on. That is a very fair point. Shall we vote? Sure. That seems fair. Okay. All right. Let's 
hear from the peanut gallery first, and then we'll do us. It's your guys' fate, so I have nothing to do with this, and I'm going to back up and let you guys decide. I trust your decision, nephew. As do I. All right, gang, minus Jessica, who's not in the gang. I want to help you all, but I'm sorry, Miss Fletcher. I don't want to be responsible for you. Kit, Kit, you don't need to worry about a single little thing, you sweet angel, you. And you see he sits back as well. Okay. Well, given the conversations we've just had, I'm going to go ahead and cast my vote. And I'm going to say, let's go for the group defense. You know, I think that's that's a, that's a good way forward, uh, given the arguments that everybody else has given. Ah. You see Monique eyes the shit out of Thomas, but then also begins eyeing the shit out of Jessica. <laughs> And just kind of like takes the deepest breath you've seen <laughs> and goes, at the literal risk of my own life, I will also vote for being tried as a group. Uh, this is hard. I'm going to vote against my better judgment. I'm going to vote team. Because as much as I want to see so many things happen here today, it, it's not right. And we all need to make it out of this trial for the better outcome. And even though I think I would get myself off in flying colors if we were to do it individually, I will take the risk and do the team vote. And Jessica, I've worked with you once as a team. You better have changed within the last however many episodes. (laughs) Because this is very hard to do. And I will vote team. I appreciate that, Thomas. Barbara, I know that we already have a majority, but just for the sake of the completion of the exercise and to make sure everyone's voices are heard, I would like to hear what you have to say. Uh, For the sake of completion, I still would probably remain individual, but um, I hear all your points and I'm I'm going along as the, the team. So, okay, let's see what happens. All right, all right. and I think that's decided. And Jessica turns back around and looks over to Big Blue and goes, uh, Your Honor, we have decided to be tried as a group. Your Honor, we have decided to be tried as a group. <laughs> Jessica does not speak for us. <laughs> you you don't know how because there are no eyelids. There are no distinguishing features, but you somehow see Big Blue's orb slowly blink. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sorry, Your Honor. He's on a bit of a time delay at the moment. I think it's his connection. <laughs> Oh no, Jessica, that was all me. Look at us, big old team we got here, right? Right? Good work, team and assistants. This court is now in session. The court will provide their opening statement. As the one presiding over this session, my statement is simple. The four of you present pose too great a risk to the balance of our realm. As individuals prior to contacting Lem, You have already proven yourselves powerful, dangerous, and unstable, be it through your associations to beings of this realm and beyond, or your past catastrophic and chaotic actions. As the final barrier to maintaining balance in Olmericia, your exposure to LEP has altered the odds of our success. We risk exposure and destruction through your possible allegiances to unsavory characters, the ability of said characters to extract information regardless of your willingness or lack thereof, 
And in some cases, your continued survival contributing to the resurgence of world balance altering individuals. For this reason, we have deemed the only sure way forward to be your immediate termination. Your opening statements, please. Who wants to take this one? Well, the last time I decided to be the one to speak, Thomas then decided that he should have been the one to speak. So, Thomas, do you want to deliver the opening statements? Jessica, if you were really, really itching to do it, I will allow it just this once. Okay, well then I'm happy to uh, provide the opening statements if everyone feels the same way. Please do. You very well may. I got the closing one. Okay, great. So we're going to leave them with a great taste in their mouths at the end. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, go, go, go for it, Miss Voucher. Your Honor, we, the defendants, hear your opening statement. We understand the risks that we have presented to the world at large and to all Mauritia. However, we believe that our expulsion from this world is not the way to proceed at this given time. With the LLC set to take over all Mauritia, we must act. We have a proposed plan to do so, which we can get into as we move into the evidence and arguments later on in the trial. I also propose, at least for myself, that we stay any judgments until a later time, so that way we may be reevaluated for our risk level once this plan is completed. Until such a time, we also propose that we would also take certain assurances for LEP. We would submit to certain tracking and certain levels of communication and check-ins, so that way you are aware of our location and activities throughout our given assignment to help bring balance. While what some of us may have done in the past is not necessarily defensible, our future actions are yet to be determined. You said that we pose too great a threat from our past actions and our present connections. We will use those present connections to help bring balance, and we will use our future actions to help bring balance to our past actions. As for any exposure of LEP that you have concerns of, we will gladly undertake any sort of assurances beyond immediate death to help maintain the secrecy of this organization. And we are prepared to move now further into the trial and present any arguments or evidence that the court has. Thank you, Your Honor. Very well. Jessica, roll for opening statement. Okay. Plus four, please. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> I got a natural 20. Okay. Well said, Miss Felcher. Now, proceeding into cross-examinations. Miss Felcher, if you would please take the step. Yes, Your Honor. And Jessica will rise from her place. There's like a little makeshift like stand, because obviously this is not usually a courtroom. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a little makeshift desk and chair next to Huel, the Warforged guard, and he pulls out a seat for you to sit down. Oh, I thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Uh, it's nice to see that chivalry is not yet dead, unlike the possibility of us being dead, you know? <laughs> 
and Jessica takes a seat <laughs> off the witness stand. Hule's eyes just pulse and glow at you. And you see Blue kind of comes down from behind his desk and begins to pace the floor. Miss Felcher. Yes. Enlighten me as to the nature of your career as a lawyer specifically. Okay, I was about to ask. I've had a very multifaceted career. But as a lawyer, I have had several different trials throughout my time working in Almeracia. Most of my experience has been on the East Coast, of course. And I've had quite a lot of success defending my clients or performing some kind of prosecutions as well. And then for a time, well, I guess technically I still am as far as I know. I became a judge for the town of Serenity, of which I oversaw a trial of actually one of my um, co-defendants. <laughs> which I also uh, happened to uh, win that case as well, just to say. But uh, not that that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's a neither here nor there. Uh, however, uh, under much of that time, I was also working for the LLC to help undermine the court systems. And who were you working under for this LLC? I was working under the Lord of the West, the Wicked Witch of the West, I don't know. The, the Lord of the Fingers, Hagatha Christie. If my understanding is correct, this Hagatha Christie, she was your gateway into the legal profession to begin with, was she not? I'd always held an interest in the legal profession, but yes, she was the gateway into the legal profession and also my gateway into much of my study of magic as well. I had always had a, a natural ability, but as a wizard, there is much study that is required, and uh, she provided study materials to help expand my, my power. Perfect segue into my next question. Yes. You say this Hagatha helped you study your magic. Correct. Where was this studying taking place? Well, um... Initially, because I also lived on the west coast of Almericia in the town of Rabbit Cove, I had... Are you aware of the state of Rabbit Cove today? It, yes, yes I, yes, I am. Could you please, uh, just for the record, clarify this to the court? Rabbit Cove has been wiped off of the map, so to speak. It was destroyed and completely leveled with not much evidence left behind. And who was responsible for this? In part, myself, but also in part the magic that was specifically made to destroy it and hold it under a spell for a long time was of Hagatha Christie's making. Interesting. Now, you say there was a spell in place. Why was this put in place to begin with? The spell was put in place because well, <laughs> the people of the town were beginning to suspect myself in several murders of people that had come through the town or of people that uh, had lived in the town. And those people had been killed for one reason or another, mainly justified by either upsetting a fellow town person from Rabbit Cove or performing some moral slight to a, a fellow town's member. 
Would you say it is a fair characterization to say that you are a murderer? Unfortunately, I would say that that is what I was. And while saying that something is in the past is not necessarily easily uh, proven, I am ready to commit to any sort of monitoring or court-mandated analysis or therapy, I guess you could say, to help to overcome this previous defect in my personality and person. Very well. Objection, Your Honor? The orb turns to face you. If I may, to classify Jessica as a murderer without looking farther within the occurrences that have surrounded the Rabbit Cove incident and everything thus far would be a little too surface level. As an eyewitness myself to her actions, I could say that in the time I've been with her since, Jessica really hasn't murdered a soul, and thus calling her a murderer would not be the case presently. I'm not here to defend her previous actions before I knew her myself or before she got a hand on such magic, but the only reason that Rabbit Cove was leveled as it was was mostly due to other circumstances, not really of her choice. In fact, you could argue that a lot of the freezing of the town people and the magic that was used on them was to protect them. It was Hagatha's doing, really, not so much Jessica. So I would be here to back up and argue the fact that she's not a threat to us at all at this moment. Thomas, roll a deception check for me. Okay. Considering the fact that you are aware that Jessica did murder Dot. 22. Okay. Ah! You successfully, maybe not successfully, Ah! but you lie with aplomb. In fact... Almost no one would witness the five points of psychic damage you take as you utter some of these words. But you say this and Blue definitely takes it into consideration. Blue turns to Jessica and says, Miss Felcher. Yeah. How many people have you murdered? A fascinating question, Your Honor. Um... I actually don't remember off the top of my head. (laughs) I don't think you know the answer as a player, and I'm not sure Jessica knows either. Yeah. Yikes. Your Honor, I would have to say I don't necessarily keep track. I try not to, to think about it. I would say maybe like at least five. They just peer at you through the orb and then say, very well. Would you say all of these were justified murders? Not all, no. Would you say most of them were justified? In my thinking at that time, I would say yes. Would you maintain that line of thinking today? No, I would not. I would go about bringing what I saw as justice in a different manner today. How recently did you change your way of thinking? I, I would say I, I really started to, to think about it around the time that I was separated from Thomas, Gary, and Tiro as well. I would say about that time, I began to have my doubts about my actions, about what my actions were leading me towards, and what effect 
my actions were having on the world around me. That's when I would say I, I uh, began to really think about it. These are clearly extreme forms of thinking. The average person does not reach the heights of murdering and then return from them. What assurances are we to have that your thinking will not simply sway in the opposite direction again? I would happily submit to regular court psychological evaluations to get a handle on my own psychosis and my own psychological state and thinking. But I, I will say my exposure to someone of such strong moral stance as Mr. Thomas Phelps, my co-defendant, was a big inspiration for me for a while. And that moral stance of trying to do the right thing and even though it might not be the easy way, it is certainly the most balanced way, the most nuanced way. And I think I, I draw a lot of hope that I can learn to be a bit more like him in that way. And yeah, you murdered while under Thomas's watch, did you not? I did. It was earlier on in our partnership. I had not yet really come to appreciate and understand all that Thomas is and can be. I'm sure you may have noticed a few of a few moments between us already that uh, there is a natural tension, a natural friction between the two of us that seems to come forward. But over time, Your Honor, that that friction made an ember within me and it has began to fan into a flame, a flame for justice a flame for a better tomorrow. You paint a pretty picture, Miss Felcher. Oh, thanks. I'm an author, you know. My next question. <laughs> As an author, you murdered people in a small, tight-knit community, one where there were eyes everywhere, and yet you evaded capture, did you not? Uh, yes, I did, yes. And so, with the amount of deception and narrative crafting and cunning actions that you have displayed, both to the people of Rabbit Cove and then to your fellow council members, how are we to know that you will not simply pull the same on us? You are gifted in telling stories, in deception. How are we to trust you will not use that gift against us? I'm not sure I know how to answer that question exactly, Your Honor. However, I will give it my best effort. Um, Sorry if I may. Uh, the orb like spins. Blue's torso stays facing Jessica, but you can tell the energy swirls to regard you, Tyronicus. Yes, Agent Jangle. We do have the technology to eliminate threats as need be. Might I recommend that we maybe subject her and possibly the others to some sort of rune very similar to the one that we already have implanted in our friends here, where if they reveal anything about LEP, they'll be eliminated. Tyronicus. Sir. That much would be a given. My question is, how are we to evade Miss Felcher's deceitful nature? How are we to trust that she is not telling us one thing while doing another? That's very valid, but if she crosses us, we'll just take her out. Well, I mean, as a student of magic, I'm well aware of spells. For example, the Zone of Truth spell, Your Honor, is a very effective means of making sure that one is being honest. Of course, magics and life itself, there is no certainties. There is only probabilities. 
if given the chance, I hope to prove that I have no planned deceptions against this court, this organization, or the people I find myself with. Final line of questioning for you, Ms. Felch. Yes. I think it is safe to say you have a deep association with Miss Christie, do you not? Yes, I, I would say I would say so, yes. It's one of my deeper connections in this world. However, I would say also at this time that the connection is severed. Very well. She does not take well to what she perceives as failure or weakness. And I have exhibited those traits in her eyes, but I see those failures and weaknesses as strengths and steps towards being a better balanced and more good person. Would you agree with me that it would be fair to characterize Miss Christie as a threat to what we're doing here and to the people of Old Mauricia? Yes, I would characterize her as a threat. Absolutely, Your Honor, no question. Do you think it would be fair to assume that acquiring you is a goal of hers? That you are a person of interest for Miss Christie? I think the information that I have about the organization is certainly of high value. And I believe that me being out in the world, she perceives it as a threat to the organization. However, at this time, I can't think of anything that I have not shared with the LEP at this given time about the organization. You are a high profile person amongst the general society, are you not? Yes, I am a well-known author and my, my books have my likeness on the back inside cover. Should we release you into this agent-infested world crawling with agents of the LLC? Do you not think it is likely that Miss Christie would find you and possibly extract information about Lep from you? While that is possible, Your Honor, as a Hexblood, I am very adept at the natural ability to disguise myself. If you would like, I certainly can demonstrate uh, that ability now here in the court, if it so pleases you. It would not be unwelcome. Very well. And Jessica is going to rise and she is going to disguise herself as Big Blue. Ooh, okay. You see like a bit of purple magical energy at her fingertips and she just kind of like traces her body for a moment as her image wavers and waves and suddenly Big Blue is standing there looking at Big Blue. Hello, Big Blue. It's a pleasure to meet myself in person. Most amazing. Thank you, Miss Feltrin. Does the defense wish to ask any further questions or cross-examine Miss Felcher? I would like to cross-examine, Your Honor. Please, me, me, pick me. Very well. You may have the floor. Okay. Jessica will end the disguised self spell and return to her state as Jessica and be seated. Jessica. Tamis. Would you consider Miss Hagatha Christie to be one of the most dangerous individuals that walks around to this day. I would say so, yes. Of all the people I have met, she is certainly of the highest threat to this world. Would you consider yourself one of the very, very, very few individuals that could get remotely close to her at this moment? Yes, 
I think so. I think her interest in seeing me at the very least to eliminate me is of, of high interest to her and it could allow me in some way to get close to her. And do we know for certain that you would be murdered if you were to encounter her today? We don't know for certain. Objection, I believe we do. <clears throat> yes, if, if I may, Mr. Big Blue, sir. You may. I was expressly hired by Miss Hagatha most recently to exterminate Miss Feltra. Um, <clears throat> not only was I to find her and bring her to jail under the guise of uh, mounting a strong defense for her, I was then to eliminate her before she ever saw a trial, uh, as well as reclaiming Miss Barbara. That's a beautiful point, Monique. If Hagatha wanted Jessica out of the way immediately, didn't even want to see her, wanted her dead, then why on earth would you think that she would want to extract information at this moment? I don't think Hagatha really knows anything about this place. I believe that with the advantage of Jessica being able to get close to Hagatha given their relationship and given the fact that Hagatha would rather see Jessica dead more than anything gives us a little bit of an advantage in that respect without revealing any information about this place whatsoever. Ooh. Another point, Your Honor, if I may ask you a question. What is the goal of this place exactly, in your own words? To maintain the balance in Omaricia. To maintain the balance in Omaricia. Okay, is that with regards to magical beings and items exclusively, or just balance in general? Primarily, we find that the most disruptive forces always are magical in nature. So that has been the focus of our efforts in recent cycles. Thank you, Your Honor. Jessica, what is the name of the new play that is being adapted from one of your novels? That would be uh, my novel, The Pocket Full of Dead Fish. And Jessica, not to bring up questionable memories, but that book is based on the murder of whom? Adelbert Kurtowski. Who is related to you in what way? He was a member of the town that I lived in, Rabbit Cove, and one-time friend. Right. And how, or let me ask, why did you murder him? He was abusing his son. Nice. And I, I did not want to see that continue to occur. So I, I took matters into my own hands and did what I believed at the time to be the best course of action. How old was his son? He wasn't quite an adult yet, but he was reaching maturity. And how long was he being abused? For, I would say, a majority of his life. Do you acknowledge that, despite the tragic and horrid circumstances surrounding the abuse and everything that occurred in that situation, that murder was not the way to handle it and not the method that most people would consider a form of justice? Yes, I acknowledge that. One last question. How did you murder him? I drowned him by uh, knocking him out and putting him into the water so that way he would um, suffocate and drown. Oh, so no magic involved whatsoever? Uh, no. Thank you. Bringing up the point of what was stated earlier of one of your most recent murders, individual by the name of Dot, which is hard to think about, but I was there at the crime scene. I didn't witness the murder, but I witnessed the aftermath. And to my knowledge, and to my friend Gary's knowledge, 
there was no magic involved in that murder as well. That would be correct. No, there was not. So since you've acquired this magic, or before you even acquired the magic, there was no murders that you enacted that had anything to do with magic at all. Yes, that that, that would be correct. So if the purpose is to just keep the balance of magical individuals and powerful individuals that may disturb that balance, Your Honor, then I understand that. But it doesn't seem like Jessica has used her magic to murder anyone. And if that's the case, then why haven't you eliminated every single serial killer that has lived in existence to this day? If that's not your job, then, well, I don't think Jessica is the person for you. I rest my case. Not rest. I don't rest my case. I uh, no further questions. Sassy. <laughs> We're halfway there. I hate waiting. This this is the halftime ad with Nikki B. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Fuck, I hate when you do that. We must be fully alert to enjoy the grotesque comedic wonders of beyond D&D. On the Dungeons and Trimpus Patreon. I know, mysterious voice, but... I'm just so tired. I've been doing my ninja training drills and... Training my pyromancy while listening to the hours and hours and hours of bonus content over at patreon.com slash drimbus and as fun as it is staying awake for five days straight really starts to take a toll on little old nicky me what grind my teeth grind the geeks Geek Grind Coffee, what's that? See for yourself. Geekgrindcoffee.com slash Let's see. Geekgrindcoffee.com slash Trimbus. Wait, whoa, 20% off. <laughs> that That's pretty sick. Swole Fuel, the Swole Initiative. Oh man, I gotta get me some of this. Delivery. Already? Here you go. Wow, that was fast. You're welcome. Oh, sweet. Wampum, that's good. <laughs> and so cheap with 20% off using code DRIMBUS at geekgrindcoffee.com slash DRIMBUS. And it supports the show. That's a good point, voice. You know who else supports the show? The sweet, sweet patrons. These people right here, Jerry Benetados, Queso Loco, Claire Jean Kelly, November Sky, John Mitchell, Greta Benier, Alejandro Lopez, Ace Andrews, Thomas Murphy, Regina Russell, Salty, Sam Olivos, Jordan Cobb, The Unnamed Rogue, John Gillette, Con Air on DVD, Doubtful Guest, Michael Richters, Davis Walden, Denny Dewdrop, Myth Mouse, Callie Wolf, Brandon M. Bishop, Twiglets, Joanna, Wes Berger, Stan Sitzman, Scrambles the Death Dealer. 
Aaron Adams, Nathan Mesner, Drew Thanatos, Morgan Lawson, Trip, Wilhelm Fox, Stoner Panda, Melissa Rain, Hensational, Aaron Cervania, Butts of Plenty, The Lone Trumpeter, Uvula Nutria, Normally Me, and Dane Kohlf. Those guys. That them them too. They also support the show, and we love them and thank them. I don't know how to end this ad. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Roll a persuasion check for me. Okay. Interest. 23. Your point is taken. Ooh. Miss Felcher, you may take a seat. And Jessica will uh, rise from the witness stand and go back to the defendant's bench. Next, Miss Valentine. Uh, Yes. And she stands up. She kind of like goes to look back at you, Tyronicus, and then focuses on Blue and goes, "Uh, yeah. Please have a seat. I will try to keep this one brief, as many of my points regarding your release have been covered during Miss Felcher's questioning. However, there is one distinguishing factor in your relationship. I believe you are still presently in contact with Miss Christie, are you not? That is correct. And you are in good standing with Miss Christie, are you not? That is also correct. Having been given assignments by Miss Christie, you would have to be in constant contact with her, would you not? That is also correct. I hope it is apparent to now someone who is in constant contact with Miss Christie. And while I would like to take you at your word, I certainly have no assurances as to your allegiance. Your constant contact with her poses a threat to LEP. I mean, certainly, but that's with all due respect, Your Honor. It's also why you can't get rid of me. Jessica's on the run. So is Barbara. But I am in good contact with Hexa. I'm surprised uh, she, she hasn't given me a call today. And uh, well, if I were to stop contacting her, well, she'd start looking for me. She has a lot of people working for her. People who would go stick in their noses, places you probably don't want them to be. I know you thought you were safe here, but I can tell you don't feel safe anymore. If I show up, I give Hagatha no reason to suspect me. If I don't, they are going to start searching, and sooner or later they are going to find you. Point taken. That said, should Miss Hagatha suspect you? She's a powerful mage, is she not? I would argue that is a fair characterization. Miss Valentine, are you well-versed in the arcane arts in any way? Uh, not, not particularly. Then should she begin to suspect you? What is to stop you from succumbing to her spells? Clearly, she has the power to keep a whole town content 
to probe their minds without their uh, permission. What plans do you have in place to safeguard yourself against that? Um, I'm afraid I don't, Your Honor. But for what it's worth, she trusts me. I think she used to trust Miss Felcher. And, uh, well, if she's going to use that magic in any large capacity, which I have a very strong feeling she will, I'd likely be the first to know about it. Or one of the first, at least. If you have me on your side, then I can let you know what's coming and you can prepare. You get rid of me, she will take you by surprise. Thank you, Miss Valentine. Would the defense like to cross-examine? I, I, I would. Miss Valentine, you, um... You mentioned that you are in close contact with Haggate, Hagatha, Hagatha. Um, but if you were to show up empty-handed, what would that look like? Right, because you you had a mission. You had a she sent you out on a mission to retrieve me and Jessica. You see, Monique smiles very like cheekily at you, but you see just a single bead of sweat begin to drip down her forehead, and she very kind of like nonchalantly pushes it away, and she goes. I would argue it wouldn't look good for me. Hmm. I, I don't think that would keep me in good graces with Hagatha. Thanks for asking. And she glares at you. <laughs> I only ask. I only ask because I, I think that makes a point of how beneficial it might be to also have Jessica and potentially uh, myself still with us. If we were to have to, in the future, maybe if this goes well, use us to um, hopefully an advantage in taking us back to, to Miss Christie. That's all. That That is a fair statement. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And to point out that she really does not, uh, once again, does not appreciate failure when it comes to missions. So. Your point is taken, Barbara. Thank you. Uh, no further questions. Very well. Miss Valentine, you may have a seat. Barbara, don't sit there. Sit here. <laughs> and he pulls out the witness stand chair for you. Thank you, Blue. Uh, all right. You're very welcome. I must say, it was a pleasure getting to know you a bit better the other day. Uh, you as well. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Barbara, you are a rather young Warforged, correct? That is correct, yes. What is your directive? My directive uh, is to establish order. And would you say you've done your best to follow this directive throughout the years? Throughout the years, yes. Uh, I would say, yes, that is true. And the way that you saw fit to accomplish this directive was to work with Hagatha, was it not? Uh, tech yes, yes, it was. Being that she also was the one that gave me the directive, I didn't have much say, I suppose. So, one could almost say you're programmed to side with her. You were born to work for her and the LLC. That is correct. Yes, that is correct. How many cycles have you been up, Barbara? Seven cycles. Give or take, you know, I, I, no work done. I look pretty good, I like to think. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and you've spent each of these cycles under Hagatha's watch. Yeah, for the most part, at least, yeah. How would you characterize your relationship with Miss Christie? What is its nature? <laughs> Oh gosh, and you see Barb look down and though she is a Warforged, you, you, you could swear you saw like a, a tint of some pink as if she's blushing almost. Like a furnace burns up yeah. and like the, the metal glows red. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, it, 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 it was an interesting one um, to say the least. From when I first started uh, working with her a few cycles in our relationship became a bit more uh, friendly. Uh, um, 
a little more than friendly at, at times and um romantic perhaps uh yeah yeah um yes and um though romantic uh Haggy always had her goals and her, her mindset and she knew what she wanted from life and well for me being that she in a way brought me into this world and taught me everything i know a uh, new i guess um I don't know how um, real the relationship really was. From your perspective, one could almost even say she groomed you into being the perfect partner. Uh, yes, yeah, I guess you could say it was there was a form of grooming there, yeah. So considering our natures as Warforged, hmm. considering your programming and your life experience and everything else, it seems you're predisposed to work with Hagatha. Would you say there is still some manner of emotional attachment there? Be it strained, be it confusing and complex? Um, it's unfortunate because it's not, it's not confusing. There's no, there's no confusion there. Um, there will, oh, and you know this, you know this, but for the sake of all the others to hear it, I will always have a tie to Haggy, whether I like it or not. And, it's been an interesting last few days, uh, weeks. As I've spent my time with Jess, I have learned a lot about myself and about Haggy and our relationship. And um, unfortunately, it always came back to, more often than not, it always came back to, what did Haggy want me to do? What was the goal of the mission? Now, I, I would say, I, or at least I like to think, it's, it's not that anymore. But um, I'm not going to lie to you, Blue. I, I do also have a fear that my tie to her will come back at the worst <laughs> of moments. And that vulnerability can definitely cost us something. And I think that's kind of what you saw in the worst case scenario with this grouping. But all that's to say, um, and I know we're still, you still haven't talked to, uh, to Thomas yet, but it, these people, whether they were tied to Haggy or not, they can do better. They can do better and, and, they, and they know that. Jessica knows that. I've spent so much time with her. I, I've spent time watching her. I've spent time watching Thomas. I've spent time watching Monique. And they have a say. They've been able to decide who, who they want to work for or work under or, 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 you know. And yes, maybe it started with Haggy, but Blue, you gotta see where we are now. Yes, we're in a courtroom defending ourselves, defending our lives to you. But if you really hear what they're saying, it's 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 worth hearing them out. If you have to take anyone, I I, I I'm done fighting. I'm not fighting for myself. I can't. It's not. It doesn't even sit right with me. Half the time, half of the missions we did, uh, me and Jess, it, it was me making that first move, that first call to hurt someone, uh, to be aggressive. As I know now, that's that wasn't the right call, but I still made it. Chances of me making it again are still pretty high, considering just my my directive. Maybe one day that could change, but I don't know how long it's gonna take to get there, so. Blue places a hand like on your forearm and says, Thank you, Barbara. If anyone wishes to cross-examine, now's the time. I would like to cross-examine your honor. Very well. Miss Barbara, you mentioned your directives. Just to bring us all to speed, would you explain what a directive is, please? It's essentially, uh, in your terms, I guess, it's your goal, it's your mission. It's your overall mission in life. Okay. You had mentioned that you have your directive. 
I, Your Honor, having spent a great deal of time with this particular person, Miss Barbara, I can attest that Barbara has been undergoing quite a lot of inner conflict regarding her directive. I believe she has more autonomy than we might think. And as time has gone on, these experiences that she's been having out on the field with me, they've shifted her. I have watched a change happen in this Warforged. Her nature, which was once far more violent, has become quite more tempered and more balanced. And therefore, with that shifting of her nature, there has been a reinterpreting of her directive. What once was a directive to seek to bring forces that look to harm the world into power. I believe these forces now have an enemy in Miss Barbara and her directive. Barbara, would you restate once more your directive for the court, please? Establish order. Now, someone who has began to experience sympathy and interact with the people of Ulmericia as Barbara has. Barbara, would you, would you say that you've been undergoing a lot of your own self-questioning these days? <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I have, yeah. And Your Honor, I think you can see it within this testimony alone when she was speaking with you. She doesn't seem to believe that she deserves to continue to be here. I think that alone is a major shift in what she is and how she is going to interact with this world in the future. So I believe very strongly, Your Honor, that that directive now will serve an entirely new purpose moving forward. One, I think, that aligns quite clearly with yours, if I'm not mistaken. May you please restate your directive for the court, please. My directive is not in questioning this. It's not a matter of it being in question. I know that you're the one that's doing the judging, but just for the dramatic effect of it all, would you just restate it for me, please? And she's going to bat her eyelashes. Roll a persuasion. (laughs) It's an 11. It is to maintain balance. Okay. I think that order and balance are sisters. With how Barbara has been evolving these past several weeks, I believe she could be an asset to the LEP and does not deserve to be eliminated at this time. And you had spoken of assurances. There are many different kinds of assurances I have now heard that this organization is capable of. Certain kill switches and other factors of that nature, certain magics that you all possess. So it seems that the organization might be able to answer your own question of where these assurances might come from. Your point is taken. No further questions, Your Honor. Thank you very much. Barbara, you may take your place. Mr. Phelps. Oh boy. Please, to the stand. Okay, here I go. Jessica's gonna give Thomas a thumbs up and go, you got this. Mr. Phelps, I believe you are presently, for lack of a better term, undead, correct? That is correct, Your Honor. I believe you have expressed in the past that you are living on not only borrowed time, but borrowed energy, correct? That is also correct. How did you come to die? Well, there was a very accidental incident with another individual's magic staff. 
that um, a very careless ex-friend of mine decided to snap in half, which thusly got me murdered. And yes, it was just all carelessness and lack of knowledge of this certain item that, that got me to where I am today. Mr. Phelps? Yes? Did you play any part in this carelessness? Do you believe yourself at all responsible for the events that led to your death? I was a piece of a very, very large butterfly effect that may have led to the moment of... A yes or no answer will suffice. I had a hand, yes, in the occurrence of what happened to me. Just so that the court is informed, Agent Jangle... Sir? I believe this was an assignment that your handler and you were undertaking together, was it not? Yes, sir. This was a very powerful staff, one of proportions which are exactly the kind that LEP Recon concerns itself with. Is this correct? Correct, sir. Our mission was to retrieve the relic. And that relic is now destroyed, is it not, Mr. Phelps? Yes. Now, I was also informed that it seemed to have lingering effects on another member of your party. Is this correct? Yes, that is correct. And where is that member now. Who knows? He abandoned us a while ago. He could be anywhere. Why? Selfish reasons is what I believe, but he did have a family to protect, and so he left. And so now, due to events that you yourself say you are at least partially responsible for, there is a being of unknown magical ability currently running around in an unknown location. But Gary's not dangerous. He wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't hurt a fly. He, He's harmless. Very well, Mr. Phelps. Moving on. Would you consider yourself a careful person? I mean, yes, I would like to think so. We here at LEP have to be very measured in our approaches. Would you say you're good with people? I am excellent with people. Thank you for asking. Does Thomas believe this? I mean, <laughs> does he... Okay, hang on, let me rephrase. I believe that I am perfectly excellent with people, but every time that I open my mouth, they seem to think the opposite. So I guess you could say, no, I maybe I'm not that great with people. So would it be fair to say that you often don't get what you want out of social interactions? It's like 50-50. <laughs> I would say that's accurate. <laughs> Do you think... You are the kind of person that a secret organization can entrust with information that may very well hold the balance of the world. Absolutely. Does Thomas believe that? Yes. Roll a persuasion check for me. Twelve. Very well. Now, Mr. Phelps, how are you returned to our realm? Well, it's a little funky, but... There's this magical being named Bahamut. I'm sure you've heard of him. That when the incident happened with the magic staff, I sort of awoke to Bahamut's voice and his dying self. And he gave me the energy to reawake and become the form that you see now. And yeah, it was Bahamut's doing. And he remains inside of me to this very moment trying to get himself healed through justice spread across the land. So, is it fair to say that 
As you accomplish your aims, Bahamut will strengthen, reawaken, I believe was the phrase you used. Yes. Bahamut is traditionally what is known as a god, is he not? That's correct. Would you say it is a reasonable conclusion to think that by letting you go, we increase the chances of a god returning to our realm? Yes. Bahamut is the god of what now? The, the god of justice. Justice according to whom? Well, according to justice. And by justice, you mean Bahamut? Sure. But, I mean, it's not like it's a naughty kind of justice. It's very fair and truthful and kind and... By your standards, certainly. But then it means that you serve a being who is accountable to no one but themselves. Is that correct? No, that's not correct. How not? He's not just accountable by himself and only for himself. I hold him accountable too, just like he holds me accountable. So you believe you, as a single follower, hold your infinitely powerful god accountable? In a way, yes. That's very sweet, Mr. I'm sorry, does he live in your body? Do you talk to him? Do you have little chats? Do you have coffee together with him? The orb swirls hearing this, and Blue stops in his tracks. And then you almost see the orb nod. <laughs> if anyone would like to cross-examine, now is the time. Your Honor, I would like to cross-examine the, uh, the witness. Please do. So as the court has so deftly pointed out, uh, Mr. Phelps, you are currently classified as undead and are brought back by Bahamut, who is the god of justice. Could you please, for the court, define justice? Justice is, well, it's kind of like your directive, Your Honor. It's preserving a balance and preserving order by means of making sure that individuals are held accountable for their actions through a very fair means, through law and order and the courts, which is something that we're working on. And, you know, making sure that terrible things don't occur ever again. And, you know, making sure bad people aren't allowed to run around and go about their ways unchecked. And yeah, just justice. Wonderful. Thank you, Mr. Phelps. And now, you've already mentioned it, but uh, just for the sake of this exercise, would you go ahead and please define balance for me as well? Balance. That's a very good question. That is making sure that whether you are very, very powerful in a good way or very, very powerful in a not-so-good way, in a bad way, that you aren't allowed to run around free with the infinite amount of powers that you have and making sure that both are held accountable and in a very balanced way. Just so, you know, that very, very good, powerful individual doesn't become bad and the very, very bad individual doesn't become even more bad. Excellent. So it's keeping two opposing forces on an even and just playing field. Yes. Wonderful. So... Based on those definitions, Your Honor, and since he is an agent of Bahamut, it sounds to me that justice and balance, much like how I had mentioned order and balance were sisters, it seems that justice and balance could be brothers. And um, just to complete this exercise, Mr. Phelps, when you think of the word justice, 
what sort of imagery comes into your head? Uh, you mean other than the giant dragon living inside of me? <laughs> yes, Mr. Phelps. Other than that, how is justice frequently depicted in a visual form in our plane of existence? Well, the scales, right? Yes, two balancing scales. That's correct. Wonderful. Thank you so much. If my colleagues have any other cross-examination questions, ah, uh, Viper, go ahead and uh, take my spot up here. Let's do a little do si why not? Mr. Blue, I am aware that I am not on trial here, so I'm unsure if this is allowed. However, given the time I have spent with Mr. Phelps, I would like to offer my knowledge and line of questioning to assist in the bringing of his sentence, if I am allowed. I will entertain. Thank you so much. And Viper will get up and go to the seat, or uh, by the seat, and kind of walk Mm -hmm. around. Mr. Phelps, as Mr. Blue had brought up previously, you say you had a hand in the breaking of that powerful staff. At that time, did you have the knowledge of what would occur thereafter? No, I didn't. It was made very known to me that I did not. Indeed. Now, Mr. Blue, he had no knowledge of what would occur, and although it is true that there could be a very powerful being walking the world due to a decision that Mr. Phelps made, respectfully, that could be at the fault of the LEP as well, considering we had agents that were on the case. To continue, Mr. Phelps, when Bahamut came to you, what did he say? What made you decide to allow him into your life. What made you want to embrace (laughs) Jesus Christ? (laughs) What I want to know is, what did you become aware of that led you into this partnership with Bahamut that you have now? Well, I would just like to reiterate that I didn't have much of a choice over this, but I did allow him into my heart and soul. And I would also like to reiterate that I'm not the one that broke the staff, but I did play a part in it. I admit that. I would like to answer your question, Viper with another question. For your honor. All right. Do you know who Tiamat is? I am familiar. How familiar? Not intimately, but it is a being of legend who is on our radar. Right. Well, to put Tiamat further on your radar, this is the most powerful evil being that can come into existence and has been in existence before over many, many eons and centuries and eras and has always been thwarted by other powerful beings, i.e. Bahamut. The keeping of balance, Mr. Phelps. That's correct, Viper. And if that balance wasn't preserved or Tiamat was not held in check, then you're going to encounter a far, far worse magical entity than you could ever imagine by destroying Bahamut. So, And to that point, Mr. Phelps, Bahamut has been described in the court today as a very infinitely powerful individual. But when you see him, when you converse with him, what do you see? I see a creature that's dying, that's hurt, that's sensitive, that really just wants what's best for everyone and wants things to be set right. He wants to save people. He doesn't want to hurt them. Exactly. Your Honor, Bahamut is attempting to regain energy so that balance can be kept and he can check Tiamat. 
Should you make the decision to terminate Mr. Phelps, you will be going against your own directive and preventing the keeping of balance when Tiamat rises. No further questions, Your Honor. Anyone else? Very well. We will move on to closing statements. Thank you to all who spoke. Who would like to roll for cross-examinations? Oh boy, Barb. I'll, sure, I'll try. I'll do it. <laughs> okay, give me a d20 plus two. Come on, Amanda's weighted dice. How <laughs> <laughs> dare you. Plus two is 17. Hell yeah. Nice. Okay, you all take your seats, feeling like you've done the best job you could, or at least close to it. As Blue resumes his place behind his desk, he says, The court will abstain from a closing statement in order to preserve an open mind to the defendants, please. Make it count. And he leans back in a chair. All right. Well, gang, here I go. You got this, Thomas. You're going to do great. Godspeed, Mr. Phelps. Don't fuck up. All right. That was very encouraging. <clears throat> Your Honor, there are three main points that we have learned here in court today that I'm going to bring to this closing statement. The first is accountability, which is something that you brought up throughout the course of this case. Accountability is something that we have implemented, tried to implement into court systems throughout the land, etc. And it's something that you seem to preserve very highly here at LEP. And we hold each other accountable. I will not let Jessica go unchecked. Jessica won't let Barb go unchecked. Barb won't let Monique go unchecked. You won't let any of us go unchecked. Not to mention we have Tiro and Richard and Viper here with us as well. There's so many of us that have grown over the course of this time and knowing each other and the friendships that have grown and the trust professionally that has grown. And there's no way that one of us would let another go off the deep end or, or go somewhere that we can't be reached without all of us being there behind them. So in that instance, it's almost impossible for something bad to happen when we have implemented that sort of accountability, however you want to look at it, whether it's just being there for someone or making sure that we go to um, a therapist maybe that some of us might need, especially if we've murdered people in the past. Um, however you want to see it, that accountability is in place and safeguards all of us from turning into a horrible version of ourselves that, that we don't want to become, right? The second point that I want to bring up is you, your honor, all of us in this room, everyone at LEP, everyone down uh, on the continents and where I'm from, where we're all from, is in a far, far, far worse place if you decide to go through with what you want to go through than if you don't. Why is that? Tiamat, a horrible, horrible being that would ravage the land and end all of our existences anyway if you let them go unchecked, if you don't have Bahamut here to preserve that balance, right? Hagatha as well. Hagatha is far worse than all of us, and we have a working theory that Tiamat is definitely a part of Hagatha, so you need us in order to stop them. And you know, if we were going on an individual basis, if you just eliminated me or you eliminated Jessica, fine. But since we're in a group here and you're doubting the others, if you were to say maybe want to kill Barbara, then you would kill me as well since we decided to go into this little court proceeding as a group. So you have to save all of us if you don't want the world to become a far, far, far more dangerous place than we're already at right now. And then finally, Your Honor, 
my third point is just simply no magic involved whatsoever. It's the basic core principle of trust. You don't need to have magic to trust others. This is something that dates back even before magic even existed. And I think deep down in your heart, you want to trust people as well, just as I here trust Barbara, I trust Bahamut, I trust Monique, I trust Jessica, and you know what? Three out of those people other than myself are those that have betrayed me in the past, that have done bad things, that do possess powerful magic, that all these, etc, 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 but I have trusted them and we have done a lot more good and have made a lot of significant changes than anything, and that's just because I decided to trust And that's a very, very difficult thing to do, but I promise once you do it, then good things will happen. And because we've all trusted each other up here today, trusted to go through these court proceedings as a group instead of as individuals has shown you that people can change and people can grow. And well, even if you don't change your mind here today, I hope that's something that you'll take into account in the future and other proceedings towards others. I rest my case, Your Honor. You see the orb swirls, and then it stills. And Blue says, Thank you, Mr. Phelps. Please have a seat. Wait, does he need to roll for closing statement? Oh, shit. (laughs) Thomas, go ahead and roll for closing statement. (laughs) Okay, what do I add to it? Four. 23. Okay. (laughs) 23. Okay. You see the orb swirls, and then stills. And Blue says, Thank you, Mr. Phelps. After careful consideration between the dangers of the present circumstance, the risks you introduce to the equation, and the value you may provide to our mission, we find it most favorable to grant you a conditional release as LEP Recon agents. (laughs) Jessica takes a deep breath and releases and then grabs the hands of the people next to her and squeezes them just a little bit. Thomas smacks Jessica's hand away. <laughs> okay. Thomas, Richard kind of shakes you by the shoulders like, Tyronicus, Monique reaches her hands out like backwards to you. And Barb and Jess, you feel Kit's tentacles kind Aww. of like rest on your shoulders. <laughs> and Viper just looks for a shoulder. They're all taken. <laughs> all right. Fair. <laughs> Tonka's like grabs Monique's hand and then he puts like one hand on the back of uh, Viper and just like looks at it. Now. Thank you. And at this point, Blue says, Well, it seems to me we're at a crucial moment in time. Congratulations on your release. I was truly swayed by some of the arguments I heard here today. Moving on. Lucky tells me you have gathered this LLC. We'll have some manner of meeting at an unknown date and time. That is correct. Yes, sir. And so far as we are aware, there are five heads of the organization, correct? Correct, yes. Your task, and the task upon which your release is pendant, is to locate the heads of the organization, discover the meeting place, time, and what will be occurring. We can leverage LEP and its allies to put a stop to it, but this must be done in time. Is that understood? Yes, sir. You are required to be present on the base the final day of this season for a full report. I will also conduct temporary check-ins through Lucky March, your new handler. If we do not find your work satisfactory or progressing at an appropriate pace, we will reconsider the terms of your release. Speaking of, Jerry, please, 
Jerry walks forward with a contraption in his hand that looks like a pressurized syringe of sorts. He puts it to the base of your skull, Jessica. Ooh. You are now granted temporary license as LEP Recon agents. Jerry pulls the trigger and you feel something shoot into you slightly painfully. Oh, wow. Ooh, yeah, that'll... Ooh, ooh. Should we find you to be in violation of our terms or posing a threat to the LEP and the people of Olmarissia? Jerry moves on to Monique. Ah! We can and will terminate you by means of the explosive component present in this chip. Finally, Jerry moves on to you, Barbara. Is that clear? Uh, yep. Ah, uh, that's, yep. Very clear. Thank you. Crystal. Crystal, if you will. Lucky March will be your handle. When you are ready, you may coordinate a drop with him. And Miss Felcher. Yes. I will take special care to make sure you are not recognized. Absolutely, Your Honor. Very well. Congratulations. God help you. This has been Your Honor. Your Honor features the vocal talents of T.J. Berry as Tyronicus, Amanda Fernandez Acosta as Barbara, Nicholas Palazzo as Thomas Phelps, Michael Pisani as Jessica Felcher, and Hannah Schooner as Viper. The rest of the world is voiced by your DM, Giancarlo Herrera. Editing was done by Hannah Schooner and Giancarlo Herrera with sound design by Giancarlo Herrera. If you want to support the show, consider checking out the links in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash Our patrons get access to exclusive perks like our After the Show show, After the Drimbus, free exclusive merch, bonus series, and the chance to create items for the show or have NPCs named after you. Oh, and don't forget to tweet using hashtag Drimbus to be entered to win a free Dungeons & Drimbus sticker. Thank you all so much for listening, and I do declare, I'll see you all next week. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. This is I reporting. He's at the Lao Chang restaurant, Changchun, northeastern China. It's uh, spring 1997. Once it started, I'll leave him in Ming's hands. <laughs> That's a joke. Ming doesn't have hands. And what do you do exactly? Besides dance with strangers. I work for the postal service. <laughs> you, you're a, a postman. We're right. Miss Cloutier, what is it? It's just a bit strange. A letter for me from Hong Kong. And there's no stamp. I need stamps to write a dead person? Yep, there's a cost. How much? A pound. A pound of flesh. A pound of you? It seems like a lot. Lift up your shirt! What's that? Just pull this tube over your stomach! We are done Ah! Yeah, this is gonna hurt! What? Nothing! Ah! Ah!
最糟糕的事情。Is that a police right back? If your letter can find me here, then I think we have a lot to talk about. Saludos, Raúl. The very worst thing that could possibly happen: an audio drama in nine parts, produced by Wolf at the Door Studios. Out now. For more information, please visit wlfdr.com.